today. Uh, it is a joy to gather together here at Trinity uh, to, to sing, to be encouraged by the work God is doing in and through uh, the various ministries in our church and just hearing the update from our student ministry about their summer trip. I'm so grateful to see our students engaged in such a way, uh, proud and impressed and greatly encouraged that you set aside time this summer to care for others, to wrestle with the issues of the faith and how to live that out. And we certainly are prayerful and hopeful that that week has been very formidable for you, uh, forming for you, and to the adults who are there, where we applaud you as well for the time that you invested in these students. Thank you for that. If you have a Bible, please open up your Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. This summer, we've been spending a few weeks uh, going through a series called Friendship with God. We started off by looking at just sort of the overview, that God's purpose and intent in history is to rescue a people to himself, and that he would call them friends. We looked at the friendship that we have with God, first by looking at the friendship with the Father, And we spent a few weeks looking at friendship with the Son, Jesus, and now we'll spend a couple of weeks, a few weeks, looking at friendship with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to camp out here in John chapter 14, where we're going to reference some other passages through John 14, 15, and 16. These are Jesus' last words, if you will. And in the midst of his last words to his disciples on the night he was betrayed, he spoke a lot about the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to take some time to consider that and what that means to our friendship with the Holy Spirit this morning. So let's start with John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. Jesus speaking. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you. And we'll be in you. Let's pray. God, as we come to your word, we do pray that you would be with us and help us. And as we hear it proclaimed, that you would do a good work in our hearts. Holy Spirit, you are the one who shines the light on the word and on our hearts. And you make clear. And so we pray that you would make it clear to us this day. Wherever we are, whatever condition our hearts may be in, would you do that good work? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Friendship with God in a world filled with distractions, hardships, discouragements can be very challenging. Sometimes we feel like God is far from us. Sometimes we feel like we're missing our friend. I've been struck with something from Romans chapter 5 during our series through friendship with God this summer. It acknowledges the reality that friendship with God in this world will be challenging, but it also gives us a glimpse of this incredible provision for that challenge. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 says this, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Why? That's a big statement. Hope doesn't put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. From this, we can see that life 
in this world is hard, but we keep holding on to the faith. And as we hold on to the faith, we grow more and more Christ-like in our lives. And when we realize that this is happening slowly, almost imperceptibly over time, uh, something happens in our hearts. We get a greater sense of the hope that we're clinging to. Pretty cool. But that's not all. This whole experience is evidence of God's love poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It wasn't because you dug up something deep within you and mustered up the strength. You didn't grab your metaphorical and spiritual bootstraps and pulled them up. It's because God is at work in you. Because God is at work in you and to you and through you. And this brings about a hope. So, tagging that into our idea of friendship with God, friendship with God then is experienced over the course of life. In the hardest of moments. And it comes with the most incredible provision supplied. And that is God himself the Holy Spirit, in your heart. So we're going to take time to consider that this morning. And we, we can go about understanding the Spirit's ministry. I know in the canvas and the landscape of all things Christian, there is a dizzying array of thoughts and ideas when it comes to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I want to take time this morning to talk through that as it relates to our friendship with the Holy Spirit. So let's go about understanding the Spirit's ministry by looking at three important questions. Who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, and why the Holy Spirit matters. Who the Holy Spirit is, what the Holy Spirit does, and why the Holy Spirit matters. First up, who the Holy Spirit is couple of things to say here. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. In fact, in our passage, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit using a masculine personal pronoun. According to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is not an it or a thing or a force, but a he. The Holy Spirit is a he, is a who, not a what, not a thing, a who. Later in John chapter 16, uh, we'll come back to this verse again, but uh, these verses again, in John 16, 13 through 14, we see that the Holy Spirit has personal agency, meaning the Holy Spirit is doing volitionally something. The, the who that is the Holy Spirit is doing stuff. So look at these two verses. When the, Holy Spirit of, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The verb structure of that passage reinforces this by indicating the actions as belonging to a personal being, a personal agent. The Holy Spirit is a who, a who who comes, a who who guides, a who who speaks, a who who declares, a who who glorifies, and a who who takes. It's a person. A person. Not a mystical force. You don't need a mystic to help you understand the Holy Spirit. You don't need midichlorians to help you understand 
the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. Not an it, not a thing, not a force to be tapped into. And as a result that the Holy Spirit is a person, the Holy Spirit then is a friend. A friend. The Holy Spirit is doing this work in our hearts and in our lives as a friend cares for another. The Holy Spirit is deepening and furthering and making permanent in our lives, the lives of God's people, all that Christ has secured. The Spirit is another. That is the the second of the same kind. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit all intimately involved in making us friends. In our passage, we see that Jesus, in, in John chapter 14, Jesus calls the Spirit another helper. And the word for helper is a word maybe some of you have heard before, but it's the word paraclete, which is a very interesting word. It has a very broad meaning and a very specific technical meaning. Broadly, it can mean one who brings help or brings comfort in a very generic and broad sense. In a very technical sense, it can mean a counselor or advocate in a strictly legal matter. And so both of those words, or both of those aspects of that one word are at play here. The Spirit covers the full range from the broad to the technical idea of what it means to be this helper. There's a lot of debate around this word, but it's best to see it covering the full scope of God's intended purpose. What is God's purpose? Well, to be present in our lives, giving us the grace we so desperately need. In short, the Holy Spirit is our friend who supplies what we need to live our lives following Jesus in this world. It's a person. The Spirit is a person, is our friend who is with us through all of this, helping us better understand and live in light of all that Jesus has done for us. Now, there's so much more that can be said, and, and there is a lot more said in the, in the New Testament about the who, that is, the Holy Spirit. But there, from, from Jesus' words, we see that the Holy Spirit is a person, is our friend, and then secondly, what do we find? What is the Holy Spirit doing? What the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit supplies. Just use that broadly to cover a huge canvas of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our hearts. So think of it this way. Jesus, in his life, death, and resurrection, secured all that we need. All that we need to be saved from our sin and saved into friendship with God. Jesus secured it all. The Spirit supplies all that we need. And the Spirit brings all that Jesus secured and, and brings it into our hearts and our lives. We're never lacking because the Spirit is always supplying. And, and, and we're never lacking because Jesus has secured it all. The Spirit is supplying all that we need. So I'd like to define it in this way. 
Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the person of God bringing the promises of God and the power of God and the presence of God to the people of God. Supplying all that we need, all that God has promised, all that God has already powerfully provided for by Jesus, all that we need for the rest of our lives and forever to the people of God. If all of God's promises are fulfilled by Jesus, they are made actual in our lives by the presence of the Spirit. So think of it in that way. The Father sends the Son. The Son does all that He does to secure our salvation. Then the Father and the Son send the Spirit, and the Spirit supplies all our needs. Now, some things that we can note through John chapters 14, 15, and 16 about the supplying work of the Spirit. There are five key passages in those three chapters in which Jesus brings up the Holy Spirit. I just want to hit them very quickly to give you a sense of what the Spirit is supplying us with. So first, the Spirit dwells with us forever. So the Spirit is supplying God's presence in our hearts and our lives forever. John 14, 16. I will ask the Father and he will give, uh, give you another helper to be with you forever. There isn't an expiration date on the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's not going to bail. Jesus says he will be with you forever. Now and forever, the Spirit is dwelling with God's people. Jesus removed the obstacle from our dwelling with God and the Spirit takes all that and brings it into our hearts and resides in our hearts. So we don't have to go somewhere to dwell with God. God has come to us and dwells with us forever. Remarkable. Secondly, we find that the Spirit makes sense of God's purposes to us. In John chapter 14, verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you can relate to it right now, or maybe you can think back to a period of time in your life in which you felt overwhelmed trying to understand who God is, what God has done, and what that means for our lives, and, and why that matters for the long haul. Where you open up the Bible and it feels so overwhelming, how do I make sense of this? Well, if you, if you feel that way, then know that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make sense of all of it to you. The Spirit is making sense to your heart as you read through the pages of Scripture, as you gather together in the life of a church. The Spirit is making sense who God is, what God's purposes are for creation and for history and for His people, how Jesus fulfills all of that, how Jesus is the central storyline of the Bible, how it's all leading up to Him or flowing from Him, making sense of then what does it look like to be one who follows Jesus? The Spirit is at work making sense to us what all that means. And that happens over the course of life. There's no rush in that. It's not an immediate download and you have all the information and you know how it all works together. It grows slowly over the course of your life. But the Spirit is making sense of it to us. Thirdly, we see that the Spirit is bearing witness about Jesus. 
bearing witness about Jesus. In John 15, 26, Jesus says this, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. That's very specific. Bearing witness is pointing to and making clear what Jesus is all about in his life, death, and resurrection as an eyewitness testimony. This is an eyewitness testimony of the Holy Spirit making clear to our hearts who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and why that matters for everything. There's no better witness to Jesus than the Spirit. No one knows Jesus perfectly other than the Spirit and the Father. And the Spirit is making clear to us the testimony of that witness. Fourthly, what is the Spirit supplying? The Spirit will bring conviction. John 16, 8. Jesus again speaking, and when he comes, the Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And then goes on to describe an aspect of that work. And what that means is that the Spirit brings us to the end of ourselves, makes our hearts know what is true concerning God, what is true concerning ourselves and our condition, what is true concerning this world, and what is true concerning what we need to be right with God. The Spirit brings clarity to that, spotlights the truth of that to our hearts. Like a doctor that candidly, but with compassion, undergirding that candidness, tells us the truth of our condition. Makes clear the diagnosis and the solution. The Spirit is at work doing that. And then fifthly, we find that the Spirit will Make much of Jesus. Again, and again, and again, and again. John sixteen fifteen, All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that the Holy Spirit will take what is mine and declare it to you. The first thing that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit speaks to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Dwell with us forever. And the last thing Jesus says about the Holy Spirit in these three chapters speaks to the ministry of, our Holy, of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that is a ministry that is making much of Jesus to us. Who better to make much of Jesus than the one who has known Jesus for all eternity? That resides in your heart. God has supplied that in your heart as you look to Christ through faith, trusting in His life, death, and resurrection as you awaken to the glories of God's grace and the gospel of Jesus, as you run to Jesus to be saved, that truth is residing in your heart. God isn't just simply rescuing you out of a pit, patting you on the head, and pointing you to the direction that you are to go and telling you, don't fall in another pit. God rescues you out of a pit and walks with you all the way to the very end. And how does he do that? He resides in your heart. He resides in your heart. That's your friend. The Holy Spirit. All the things that we do that annoy our friends. All the things longing and the ache that we have for friendship. Our annoying things don't annoy the Spirit away. 
And while the longing for friendship is not an easy thing to fill, I do want to encourage you to see what God has supplied for you in the Holy Spirit. His very presence in your very heart for all of your days and forevermore. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing. Why does it matter? Why the Holy Spirit matters? Well, I mean, hopefully by now that's pretty obvious. But to, just to sort of put it in very straightforward terms, it matters because the Holy Spirit is for our good. The work of the Holy Spirit now is part of God's redemptive plan for all of history. Jesus said something very interesting, and it unsettled his disciples. So he had to reinforce it to their hearts. In John chapter 16, verse 7, he said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Seems counterintuitive. No, Jesus, please don't go. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, it is to your advantage, it is to your good that the Spirit dwells in you. It is to the advantage of God's people that Jesus is indeed risen, he is reigning, he is ruling, and one day he is returning. But in the meantime, the Spirit is sent to us, dwelling in us, and bringing to us all the fresh supplies that have been won and secured by Christ. And the Holy Spirit is part of God's ongoing care for his friends. You know what's interesting on those five passages that we walk through in 14 through 16 of John's gospel? All around those verses is, is Jesus trying to encourage the hearts of his followers. The immediate words around the context of each of those references to the Holy Spirit by Jesus show how the Holy Spirit is the means by which God continues to care for his friends. I just want to note a few of them to you. John chapter 14, verse 18. I will not leave you as, as orphans. I will come to you. He sends his Spirit to come, and then one day he will return. The coming of the Spirit is anticipating the return of the King. Or take John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Immediately on the heels of Jesus saying that he's sending a helper to you. John 16, 1. I have said all these things that you, to keep you from falling away. How do we hold on in a world that's hard, filled with distractions and hardships and discouragements? Will we see all that God has supplied for us? Or John 16, 6, because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So, he, so the, the leaving of, of Jesus to, to, to reign and to rule and one day return and the sending of the Spirit is to comfort our hearts. Or then 
at the very end of John 16:33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That is what Jesus has secured, and that is what the Holy Spirit supplies. All of that is because God has poured out his love for his friends into their hearts by the presence of the Holy Spirit who is making much of Jesus to us and in us and through us. Helping us to see that God indeed has supplied all that is needed for his friends. Life can be indeed hard. And without friends, the hardship of life can feel heavier. But take courage. God has purposed to be our friends. And through faith in Jesus, the friend who secures our salvation, we can know God as friend. And the experience of friendship with God is known through our relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's ministry It's helping us know and experience friendship with God. So may we rest in that. May we rejoice with and may we rely on our friend, the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would do that good work in us, that you would help us to see that you have indeed supplied all that we need through the securing work of Jesus, but also through the ongoing presence of the Spirit. This presence is a fellowship. It is a relationship. It is that which can be described as friendship. Spirit working in us, helping us to see that Jesus is worthy and worth it, giving us the strength and direction and conviction to follow after him. And I pray that we would see that, know that, believe that, understand that experience in ways that deepens our hope in this world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.